The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Live from Liverpool, the dark. Paranormal Season 12 Hi everyone and welcome back finally to Season 12 of The Dark Paranormal. I can honestly say I love doing this show as much as many of you have told me over the break you love listening to the show. So, as nice as it's been to not stare into the void for a few weeks, I've certainly missed doing this show, talking to you guys, and hearing your amazing true paranormal experiences. Now, we've all heard the sentence from podcasters, this will be our greatest season yet. And if you're a podcast listener, you'll have heard it hundreds of times. But in my responsibility as the host of the show that we've all built together, I genuinely believe it is my responsibility to try and ensure we improve season on season. And because our wonderful community have spread the word about the show, this season we've received a record number of paranormal experiences. And so, although it's a sentence as old as podcasting itself... I genuinely believe this could be our greatest season ever. If you're new to the show and you've decided to start at season 12, I suggest you go back through and listen to some of the older seasons. Because there is one overriding message which is very important to understand. This is not your standard ghost story podcast. There are many wonderful paranormal podcasts which focus on the nicer side of the paranormal, like the grandmother who sits on the end of your bed and lets you know she's okay after she's passed, or a sweet story about your childhood pet returning from the spirit world to let you know everything's okay. There is a time and a place and podcasts for that type of heartwarming experience. But this is not it. There are two things to point out. Like I said at the end of last season, you can't just accept the existence of water if it's nice, warm and in your bath. You have to acknowledge and accept that somewhere there is water that is so cold it would kill you in minutes. My point being, you can't believe in one aspect of the paranormal because it makes you feel good and not accept that there is a darker, more malevolent side that may be watching you as I talk right now. And it's that area that we, as a show, focus on. The true dark aspects of the paranormal. I want this show to be a reminder that we should have a healthy fear of the paranormal. The experiences on this show are far-end examples of where this darkness can reach. But you, dear listener, don't need a show like this to know 
the dark paranormal exists. We've all felt it. Every single one of us. Be it running up the stairs of a night, or inexplicably feeling something isn't right with a certain room you've walked into, or you've moved chairs from where you've been sat because you, for some reason, didn't like your back being to the space behind you. Or how many times have you shouted what down the stairs after hearing your name shouted, only for the people downstairs to say, we haven't shouted you. The truth of the matter is, at one point or another in our own lives, for some people several times, this darkness will be around us. And you will know when it's there. You will know. It's just whether you accept it for what it is, or if you choose to brush it off. In our debut True Paranormal Experience for Season 12, an experience with the paranormal was the last thing this person needed. Their life had already been in turmoil, and they were doing their utmost to start afresh. However, sometimes the other side have other plans. But before we head into the debut episode of Season 12, we need to, of course, say a huge thank you to the newest members of our Patreon community. When you join our team over at Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also gain exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a weekly Patreon-only show which runs every week of the year, even on the downtime between seasons, meaning you never miss your paranormal fix. And on that show, we take a look at some of the submissions which were too short for the dark paranormal, which means not only can we cover many experiences per episode, but also sometimes we can uncover a rare gem. And this happened in the last episode of Dark Bites, where an experience was so good that both I and the community of Patreon urged the submitter of the experience to send in a more detailed descriptive account just so we could feature it here on Season 12 of The Dark Paranormal. And believe me, when we air that episode, it's one you will not want to miss. Now, as happens when we take a season break, the list of wonderful new Patreons I have to thank can be rather large, and therefore today we will split it at the start and end of the show. Some will also spill over into Episode 2. And so, if you signed up over the break and you don't hear your thank you today, I promise you, you will hear it in episode two. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And as you've just heard, their input can affect the output on the show itself. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation to that community just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And so, a huge thank you to our newest team members who are Chan Tavares, Mikhail H, Kent, Elva Tavares, Ensley Rich, Carrie Davis, Jeffrey Hodges, RMCR, Fran, Jess, Haley Elizabeth, Karen C, Andrew Richardson, Kyle, M17 The Man, John Stallion, A Russ, Laura Irwin, Lily Ray Strick, Laura, Nia Carter, Shannon Nelson, Donna Callahan, Sabrina Crotz, Terry McNaughton, Cole Bradfield, Dylan Bonomer, Chelsea Harlos, Prachista Shivhara, Michaela Shaplin, Jalissa Hankins, Delia, Spooky Sook, Rika Makachuk, AP, Ted, Amanda Wells, Monique Smith, Zach Abrego, Fanny Garcia, Ludwig, Tyler Rocky, and Rebecca Graham. 
Thank you so much, guys. And don't forget, there will be a part two of those names at the end of the show and part three in episode two. And so if you'd like to join this wonderful community, head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But right now, it's finally time. Lower those lights, make yourself comfortable, and of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about the Black Key. Hi, Kevin. Allow me to begin by thanking all of those listeners before me who've been brave enough to share their own true paranormal experiences. They've inspired me to sit and write down my experience. So, to those listeners, thank you, both for making me feel less alone and less insane. My name is Emma. No need for anonymity on my behalf, though I'll change the names of others below. Location-wise, this genuinely took place in Leeds, England. Well, the outer suburbs, really. I won't be more specific than that, as the house still stands. And for all I know, the current owners could be listeners. Though if they are, I hope for their sakes, they're not experiencing what I did whilst I lived there. This was the late 90s. I was 25 at the time, and had recently fled a domestically abusive relationship from where I lived in Manchester. I'll spare the gory details, but let's just say there are restraining orders still in place. But my former partner was a snake. He would, in spite of the order, find ways to get messages to me. Threats. I'd go to the police each time, but there would never be evidence of his involvement. As an example, he knew each Friday after work me and some of the girls would go to a wine bar on the corner. One night, after leaving him and moving back in with my parents, and having the restraining order in place, a young lad of about 14 walks up to us at the table. Which one of you is Emma? he asked. Why? I replied. So it's you then. I must have nodded or something because he grabbed my drink and just threw it in my face. I don't mean he swilled me. I mean he threw the glass in my face. John says hi, as he ran out. My friends chased after him, but they didn't catch him. When they returned, they said they'd questioned a group of lads outside, and one mentioned a man in a black BMW which is a car John drove, had been approaching kids and offering them cash to do a small joke on someone in the pub. These lads apparently refused. The little rat who threw the drink clearly didn't. Anyway, you get the picture. My parents could see the utter state I was in. I wanted to get away. I, I needed to get away but I didn't want to be forced too far away from them. In my work, a national bank, they were looking for people to transfer to Leeds. Now, as Leeds is 50 miles away, it seemed close enough to pop home when I wanted. 
and probably, well, hopefully, too far for John to travel to harass me. Or so I hoped. May God bless my parents. They remortgaged their own home to provide me with a deposit for a place of my own. And, after being told by my manager that the Leeds position was mine if I wanted it, then the house search truly began in earnest. As usual, the nearer the centre, the more expensive the property. And so my radius grew. And grew again. Until I found the perfect place. A beautiful left-side semi-detached. Front and back gardens. A seemingly quiet street. And just within my budget. Also, as there was no chain, I was free to move at my leisure. No waiting on the cellar to wait on a cellar to wait on a cellar. So everything was good. The place was in really good condition too. The carpets all seemed relatively new. Each wall perfectly plastered. Although it probably needed a good lick of paint, as you could see the slightly yellowish wall from the previous tenant sort of seeping through the paintwork. Clearly, they just give one lick of paint to try and brighten the place up for new buyers. It was kind of a blank slate, with the exception of the old upright piano in the back dining room. We can move that if you want, the estate agent had said. But although I can't play a note, I kind of liked how it looked, so I told them it was fine to stay. It was the stairs that first gave me the creeps. Broad daylight, mind you. I'm carrying a box upstairs, and a chill passed through me. I'd never experienced anything like it. As my hands were out in front of me, holding the box, I felt the physical coldness enter my fingers, move through my hands, through my arms, through my shoulders... The strangest sensation was as it reached the back of my body. My hands and arms had begun to warm back up again. It was definitely a physical moving through of something. I even spun around midway up the stairs. God knows what I expected to see. I shivered that someone's walking on your grave shiver, more of a shudder and carried on up the stairs. After putting the box away, I stood on the hallway at the top of the stairs, looking down, as I say, in broad daylight, and I felt a fear emanating from the bottom. I then thought I was probably just snowballing things in my mind, but then I had the thought someone was directly behind me. And I spun around again. And again, there's no one there. I sighed and turned back around. And I could see through the window on the wall, which looked across the gap between my house and the non-attached house on the other side. Through that window, an old woman with white hair was looking back from her landing, waving, smiling. Already feeling freaked out, this sight didn't help too much. But, again, with it being the middle of the day, 
I calmed myself quickly, and I smiled and waved back, whilst very quickly doing a mental measurement of where the inevitable curtain for that window would go. Talk about a lack of privacy. Work in the new place was tougher than I'd expected. It was a new branch, and a new branch manager they'd brought down from Scotland. And as we were pre-setting up prior to opening, there were all the usual issues of getting used to different working practices for the same operations. Well, that's not how we do it here, Emma, was said to me on more than one occasion. On the plus side, the colleagues on my level were all really nice. One, Jackie, I really related to. And she eventually suggested I joined her book club. Now, being 25 and not much of a reader, I was hesitant at first. But also, I knew no one in this town. And it was a nice gesture. So I took her up on the offer. The first session, I just observed. They'd all read some detective novel or other and were discussing their opinions. Afterwards, teas and coffees were poured, and a general chit-chat ensued. Next week's book is Perfume, the story of a murderer. But I've read it so you can have my copy, said Jackie, passing me a coffee. I nodded and then realised I was expected to read the full book in a week. Well, that wasn't going to happen even if it was only 40 pages. Hello, newbie, came a voice to my right. Emma, this is Carol. Carol, Emma, said Jackie. I smiled and said hi. So, where are you from? Where are you living? How old are you? Are you married? Do you have any children? Carol was a question machine. I'm from Manchester originally, I've just moved to Marshall Street. Marshall Street? interrupted Jackie. I didn't know that. What number? 34, I replied. Jackie's face shone utter surprise. No way. I used to have piano lessons in that house. Mr. Turner. Ah, I replied. The piano's still there, actually. You should come round and have a look. In hindsight, I should have paid more attention to Jackie's face. Was it surprise or apprehension? Because it wasn't an instant yes. It was more, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. And Carol suddenly fell silent. I felt her eyes just going between mine and Jackie's faces. I got home after book club and I was really tired. I opened the front door, and a strong smell of tobacco hit me. So much so, I left the front door open, just in case someone was in there, and I needed to run. Standing on the step, I shouted in, Hello? Into the hopefully empty house. I reached over and turned the hallway light on, before stepping quickly back. Hello, I shouted louder. Hello. I jumped out of my skin and spun around, terrified. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, 
said the man in the garden next door, smiling and holding a bin bag. God, God, I didn't mean to scare you. I'm really sorry. He walked over to the small hedge which separated our conjoined houses. Hand to my chest, I finally started laughing, feeling instantly safer that there was at least another human in touching distance. Sorry, I replied. I'm Emma. I've just moved in. And I nodded at the door. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you coming and going. I'm Clive, by the way, he said, and we shook hands. Sorry, but did you move in alone? I'm, I'm only asking, as I thought you had, but... He didn't finish his sentence and nodded to the step he'd just seen me shouting, Hello! from. Oh, oh no, sorry, you're right, it is just me. It was just... Well, now I didn't want to sound like a nutter in my first chat with my new neighbour. So I just said, I, I just thought I smelt really strong tobacco, and I don't smoke, so... Ah, that'll be Mr Turner. He used to smoke cigars all the time. It's what did him in in the end. I must have looked frightened. Clive laughed. Sorry, sorry, I don't mean like a ghost. I mean, tobacco is a bugger to get rid of smell-wise, especially after decades of it. My auntie was the same. Even years after she quit, if the room would hit a certain temperature, the smell would kind of seep out of the walls and the floor. Give it a good spray of air freshener when you go in. Open your windows and it'll be good soon enough, he smiled. I nodded, half smiling back. So, did you know Mr Turner well? I asked. Clive pulled a face and rested on his bin. Well, not really. I mean, between me and you, he was a miserable old get. I laughed. And I won't miss the piano coming through the wall either. You don't play, do you? I shook my head. Thank God for that, he laughed. No, he was all right, I guess. Sad, really. Except for the piano lessons, he didn't really see anyone. And he jacked them in a few years ago. No wife or kids then? I asked, channeling my inner Carol from book club. Yeah, he, he did have a wife, apparently. But she died before we moved in. She had some mobility issues and apparently had a nasty fall down the stairs and, well, he pulled a you-know-what-the-result-was face. And I did. I think I said, ah, sympathetically. Made my goodbyes and re-entered the house. The smell of tobacco had completely disappeared. But I genuinely shivered as I looked at those stairs. I shook it off and walked into the living room and the lid of the piano was open. Now, you could well think maybe it always was, and I was just being hypersensitive. But I wasn't. You see, I had a framed picture of my mum and dad on the lid, and it was now shattered on the floor in pieces. I stood trying to take in the... I ran into the hallway, my heart pounding, but there was nothing there. I stood at the foot of the stairs and looked up, 
and I caught a glimpse of a man heading towards my bedroom. My thought at that exact moment changed 100% from, is this paranormal, to, it's John, he's found me. A new visceral fear hit me as I grabbed the cordless phone and headed out onto the front path. Shaking and fumbling with the buttons, I finally phoned the police, explaining that someone was in my house, explaining about John. I remember being hypervigilant. It was silent as I waited for the police in the pathway. No visible movement nor sound came from inside the house as I stood at the end of my path. My eyes darting from window to open front door to side alley and back to window again. The police arrived and checked throughout the house, and as you can already probably guess, they found no one. There were no windows open either, so no one had done a runner after hearing me come in. They commented on the shattered picture on the floor, but all I could do was shrug and said it mustn't have been placed properly, I guess. I was hardly likely to claim anything else at that point. That night, as I lay there in the darkness, every noise in the house seemed amplified. The heating turning on, the creaking of the pipes as they contracted, the floorboards which the pipes sat under following suit. But if I didn't know better... I could well believe they were footsteps approaching the foot of my bed. No, no, it's just my imagi- But I began to make out shoulders in the darkness. There was someone stood at the foot of my bed. I held my breath. J John I whispered in a quivered voice. But the person didn't move. And then- Hands landed on the bed, either side of my feet, as if the person fell towards me. I instantly pulled my feet up to my chest, and he, and by now, even in the darkness, I could tell it was a male, had his head down, so I could just see the top of his balding silver hair. It was like an old man who was struggling to make any movement at all. Then he slowly raised his head. His face was twisted in utter, total anger. Get out my fucking house, bitch. He rasped, gasping for air between each word. In full automatic mode, I threw my duvet over him and ran down the stairs and straight out into the path in my pyjamas my hands on my knees, catching my breath. Emma, are you all right? It was Clive from next door, getting home from a night shift. I shook my head and almost started hyperventilating. As I explained, pointing, there was a man in my room. Clive brought me around his side of the hedge, and once again, we phoned the police. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. 
And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies, and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Once more, no one was found. This time, the officer even went so far as to ask if I was on any medication something that might cause hallucinations. Given that I'd called them out to an alleged intruder on two occasions in such a short span of time. When I said no, they suggested maybe I should see a doctor. Well, thanks, officer. Big help. Mind you, what else could they think? I had called them out twice, and there was no one in the house. So God knows, maybe I was hallucinating. The last few years certainly had been traumatic enough to bring on something like this. I slept on the couch that night. That is, after dragging it to the doorway of the living room and leaving the latch on the front door, should I need to get out as quickly as I could. That next morning, with about an hour's sleep in me, I was awoken by a call from my mum, who very happily told me that my ex, John, had been arrested for assaulting another woman, and then assaulting the police officer who arrived on the scene. I'm sure I wasn't the only one with a restraining order against him, and given his past, the likelihood was he would be serving some jail time. Either way, even with the previous night's experience running through my head, it was a relief to know that at that moment, he was behind bars. The following weekend, Jackie was coming around for a girl's night in, and I think also to have a good nose around. But fair enough, we all do that, don't we? So that Friday evening, she arrived with two bottles of Prosecco, and a carrier bag with wires hanging out. What the hell's that? 
I said, pointing at the bag. Oh, it's a surprise, she said with a smile, and we settled down. We ordered a takeaway and began enjoying the Prosecco, complaining about work and having a general gossip. When she placed her glass down and her hand rustled the bag with the wires in. Oh God, I almost forgot about this, she said, lifting the bag to her lap, digging her hand in and pulling out an old video camera. Are we going to make a documentary? I joked. But Jackie had already put her head behind my TV, taking wires out, putting wires in. Oh God, don't mess up me TV, Jackie, for God's sake. It's the only thing that keeps me sane. Shh, it'll be fine, she waved me off. Pass me that remote control. The TV came on and she flicked a few buttons until the screen said AV. And then she pressed play on the video camera and knelt down beside it, smiling. On the screen flicked up two older women's faces I didn't recognise. She paused the tape, pointing at the screen. That's me, Mum, and that's my Nan, she said, smiling. Ah, I said in reply. In truth, I didn't know what else to say, or what was actually going on. I mean... I didn't know Jackie that well. Was she one of those bores who brought this thing round for our entertainment? Good God, what did I let myself in for? I thought. She pressed play again, and the camera panned around. And I felt a chill go down my spine. The walls were a light green and a different wallpaper. But this was my house. As it began to dawn on me, the camera pans to the stand-up piano against the wall, exactly where it still stood. By now, I've gone from deeply bored to deeply, deeply invested. Watch, Jackie said, pointing. The camera pans further to the right, and there is a teenage Jackie, sat on the piano bench, saying, Don't film me, Dad. From behind the camera, a man's voice says, Don't be silly. Go on, play it again. I'm recording for real this time. Jackie began playing some classical piece very slowly. She hits a wrong note and huffs in embarrassment. And then, from her right... A man's hand comes into view and he hits a note that she should have hit repeatedly. Come on, Jack, says the owner of the hand. Remember, black key, right of D. You know this piece inside and out. Say hello to the camera, Mr Turner, says the camera holder, waving his hand in front of the lens. The silver-haired man to Jackie's right leans forward between the piano and Jackie and begrudgingly waves. Jackie pauses the tape, still smiling. That's me, and that's Mr Turner, who used to... Emma? But I'm frozen, ashen, 
tears of utter fear freely rolling down my cheeks as I'm transfixed on the screen. More specifically, on the grimacing silver-haired man who, only days before, had told me to get the fuck out of his house. Jackie turned off the video immediately. God, love, what's wrong? She sat next to me, arm around me, trying to console me. I downed my glass, poured another, and took a deep gulp. Emma, you're really scaring me now, said Jackie. Well, my face must have looked a picture as I turned around, glared at her, and pulled away. I'm scaring you! I then went on to tell Jackie about seeing this Mr. Turner at the end of my bed. She was clearly sceptical, and almost identically ran through the questions the police did. Was it a dream? Was I on any meds? I said to her, Jackie, that man... I'm now pointing at a turned-off TV. That man told me to get the fuck out of his house. Jackie clearly didn't know what to do. What to her was meant to be a lovely evening had suddenly imploded. Well, the takeaway will be here soon, so let's... The identical piano note, the black key right of D, sounded from the room behind us. We both shut around and could see that the piano lid was down. We sat in an uncomfortable silence, staring at the piano, until Jackie picked up her purse, pulled out a tenor, placed it on the table, and said, Well, that should cover the takeaway, love. I'm not sure what's going on here, but I think I'm just going to go. It's all got a bit weird. I'm sorry, love. I couldn't disagree. I drunkenly nodded through my tears, because... Although it sounds like she was just abandoning me after the piano decided to play itself, it was actually me, or more accurately, our dynamic with each other, that had gotten weird. And neither of us knew what to do to salvage it. In truth, I even felt slightly relieved that she'd made the first move to leave. I sat there that evening, drunk, with a takeaway for two, and felt a mix of emotions. I'd never seen Mr. Turner before, but that guy on the screen was the guy from my bedroom. One hundred percent. And given all of the hallucination accusations, I finally felt validated, but equally terrified by that validation. I spent yet another night pulling the couch near the doorway and leaving the front door on the latch. The next morning, I woke up angry. Well, hungover and angry. This was meant to be my new start. And here I was. My couch pushed against a door just so I felt safe. Terrified by a man yet again. I glanced around at the empty Prosecco bottles, 
the takeaway wrappers, the couch being where it shouldn't be. Enough was enough. I took some paracetamol, showered, moved the couch back to where I wanted it to be, and tidied the place from top to bottom. Grabbing the now full black bin bag of rubbish, I headed to take it to the outside bin in the alley. I began to open the front door, but stopped. Angrily, I turned to look up the stairs, and I shouted, Why don't you get the fuck out of my house, dickhead? I opened the front door and headed to the side alley, between my house and the one on the right. Hello, love. Jesus, I said out loud in shock, dropping the bag. Oh, sorry, love, I didn't mean to frighten you, said the old lady with the grey hair, the one I'd waved at when I first moved in. She was sat on the wall that separated our two alleys, her back against her side door, holding a mug of tea with both hands. No, no, I'm sorry, it's just one of those days, I said, placing the bag in the bin. How are you finding it? She nodded at the house. Oh, I'm Barbara, by the way. She smiled, placed her mug on the wall and extended her hand. Hi, Barbara, I'm Emma. I smiled back, shaking her hand. I thought carefully about my response. As I was about to reply, she said, I noticed the police have been round a few times. I, I don't mean to pry. She said, pulling an innocent face. But of course she meant to pry. Who wouldn't? A new neighbour? Police around all the time? Yeah, I said. Basically, I, I thought there was an intruder. But, well, 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 there wasn't. Not one they could arrest, anyway. I sarcastically laughed. Barbara's face turned serious. That'll be him. Turner. I just looked at her. We stared in silence at each other for a good 20 seconds before she solemnly looked down at her cup and very quietly said, He pushed her, you know. She nodded to my window on the side, the one we'd seen each other through first. I watched him do it. He didn't see me, mind you, she said, shaking her head and looking down. Well, I take it you told the police, I asked. Oh, yeah. They said they'd look into it, but a few weeks later, I chased it up. And they said she'd had a heart attack at the top of the stairs, and that caused the fall. I don't doubt she had a heart attack, but I think it was only after she realised she'd been pushed. One evil bastard, that man. Barbara's words now made me regret screaming up the stairs, calling him a dickhead, basically challenging him. We made our farewells and nice to meet you anyways, and I headed back in, feeling apprehensive. And there was now a weight in the air. You know the saying, you can cut the atmosphere with a knife? Well, this would have needed an axe. I slowly closed the front door behind me and just waited. Either this feeling would pass or... Every door that was visible to me, the kitchen, the living room, 
I could even hear the ones upstairs. They all seemed to be slammed in anger within milliseconds of each other. Again that noise, one I now knew was Mrs Turner collapsing down the stairs. I fumbled for the front door knob but it wouldn't turn. Finally, the front door opened and I stood there, one foot in, one foot out of the house, breathing deeply. I just didn't need this fucking battle. I needed none of it. I grabbed the cordless and I headed outside and I called my dad. I was going home. I'm now married with three kids and I'm living near the coast and I'm truly, truly loving life. My beautiful, wonderful parents have sadly long since died, but I think about them and smile every day. Though, in all honesty, I also think about Mr. Turner's evil face every day too, as he demanded I leave his home. I guess he won, and I'm truly not sorry as I wouldn't be where I am now if I'd stayed. Jesus, I may not even be alive. And um, talking about spine-tingling synchronicities, as I'm typing this, my youngest has just come in and announced he wants to start learning the piano. Well, let's hope that is just a fad. I'm sorry this didn't end in some final battle or demon-ridding exorcism, I ran. He won. He got his house back. But I won at life. Emma. Thank you so much, Emma, for providing the debut episode of Season 12 of The Dark Paranormal. The reason I chose your particular experience to start Season 12 may sound kind of silly. Well, for one, it's a fantastically terrifying experience. But for two, I receive many paranormal experiences from people in the northwest of England. Now, obviously, I too am from the northwest of England. And I've kind of learned to know a genuine story from a fake story. And reading your experience, Emma, it carries an air of authenticity, which would be hard to fake. And although, yes, I do completely wonder what is going on in that house right now with its current tenants, I also believe you made the exact right decision. Because here's the simple thing about dealing with the dark paranormal. In fact, in dealing with any disruptive influence in your life, you do whatever you need to do to get away from it. For some, it's spells, it's incantations. For others, it's exorcisms and religion. And for some, like yourself, you simply go away. And you leave whatever malevolent force behind. The only thing you hope is it doesn't follow. And by all accounts... Mr. Turner doesn't seem like the sort of person who wants to leave the house, let alone follow you to the coast. So, in closing, I completely agree with you, Emma. He may have won his house back, but you did win at life. And that is the most important thing. 
So thank you again, Emma, for submitting the first episode of Season 12. Now, I need to move on to thank our second batch of Patreons who've signed up over the downtime. And don't forget, those same Patreons heard this episode before everyone else. So if you, like them, want to receive early ad-free releases and an additional podcast each and every week of the year, simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. Just like the following new team members have. Clary, Sophia Rose 1168, Noel Lee, Colin, Kyle Creech, Jules L, Tina Castry, Brittany Ferrell, Sandra Aragon, Karen Haig, Eric Canova, Brittany Homan, Danny Austin, Siobhan, Stephanie Suzuki, Coley Kay, Emily Greco, Vanessa Gonzalez, Eva Palmer, Oakland Levi, Elizabeth Highgard, Mandy Moo, Alice Walker, Aidan Hansen, Aisma Barr, Bryce, Dodgy Graves, Lucy Ellis, Jazzy Boner, Deanna, Old Metal and Moody, Kyle Clunder, Jess A. Kinney, Amy Leather, Athena, Diane Patterson, Jess Harvey, Eric Jenkins, Ashley Strasberg, Casey Custard and Christine Dowd. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, those Dark Bites episodes. And don't forget, if you'd like to join the team, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. So all that's left for me to say is to thank you from the bottom of my heart for choosing to spend your time with me on your show, The Dark Paranormal. I guarantee the journey we go on for the next nine episodes will at the very least make you think, make you question, and maybe leave the bedroom light on a little longer than you usually would. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another installment of Dark Bites, and for everyone, I'll see you here next week for Season 12, Episode 2. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, here on The Dark Paranormal. <laughs>